Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you are enjoying this holiday season. We are right in the thick of things. You know, we're a few short days away from the from Christmas. So hopefully you're able to uh, enjoy these times a little bit, enjoy the festivities, maybe cue up your favorite Christmas movie, whether it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, maybe Elf, Die Hard. Um, I've got some fantastic holiday watching on TV right now. It's some early Brian Danielson Ring of Honor matches. So, uh, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy around the holiday season, hopefully you are able to do that. Uh, before we kick into this week's podcast, I wanted to give a huge props to everyone who was involved with last week's WPW show. From top to bottom, it was an incredible card, very enjoyable. The crowd was on fire the entire night, completely sold out. They announced their next show, WPW Cold Out, January 26th. If you missed out on tickets, it's already sold out, but who knows, maybe a few stragglers will pop up closer to the show, but I'm very stoked and I cannot wait for the next show. This week on the podcast, I am joined by Mitch Clark. Now, Mitch has been wrestling for about five years. We talk from the very beginning, uh, his amateur wrestling career, the transition into mixed martial arts and competing in the UFC and making that switch after his, uh, mixed martial arts career after he decided to hang up his uh, hang up his gloves and uh, making that transition into professional wrestling. Uh, we talked from the very beginning, his first fight, up until recently, everything he's been doing with Love Pro Wrestling, RCW, and we, during the conversation, uh, we actually, Mitch actually has to depart and go to pick up his ring gear for an upcoming match, which happened this past weekend against Davy Boy Smith, so you get to hear all of that encompassed in this uh, this episode. So, without further ado, on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Mitch Clark. So, for yourself, you've been wrestling for about four years, correct? Uh, I think I hit full on five five in Jan. Yeah, January. I think I did my first real show so to speak uh yeah so five years five years total i guess i don't know it's it's been pretty crazy i think (laughs) i mean in for five years you've made quite a name for yourself already in canada yeah you know like uh this this summer uh and and, like these ratings don't rankings don't mean anything but like i jumped into the top 10 on that pwi top canadian uh wrestlers and you Mm -hmm. look at like, you know, they got Josh Alexander, Michael Richard Blaze, Nicole Matthews. Like, you have all these names, and then you got my name on there. And I'm like, There's, this has to be a, a misprint or something. Because, like, <laughs> these are some, some phenomenal athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like it's – I think it's just a tribute to just working hard and trying not to be a shitty person. You know, I yeah. think that those are those are important things, you know, uh, regardless of what you're – your hobbies are, but I, 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 I'm really lucky, I guess. <laughs> I know a lot of people will like shit on the PWI list and stuff like that, but I think there's such a great tool because it really shows the people who are working and putting in that effort to improve themselves and just like grow as a wrestler and as a person. Yeah. I, I like, 
you take them with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. like I think some of them I, I don't actually know the rules because um I'm an idiot, but uh <laughs> I uh like I, I heard something you gotta pay to for a membership or whatever. I never did. I just like come across a post on Love Pro Wrestling and they're like, We have four athletes this year with Travis Williams, Michael Richard, Nicole Williams and or sorry, Nicole Matthews and uh and Mitch Clark. And I'm like, what's going on? Like it's just <laughs> but it's nice to like it's nice to hit those check marks. It, it's 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 validating in a in this entertainment business where like sometimes you don't always feel that validation, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can go work your butt out off every night and you're, you're still not champ and not say that the belt means everything, but um, it, it's nice to get that nice, like pat on the back and be like, Hey, your, your hard work is recognized. Yeah. And it's just, it's super cool. And, you know, maybe one day I'll hit that 500 top 500. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the next little check mark to reach. Eh? Totally. <laughs> so I have to ask how a kid from the prairies gets into a UFC career through mixed martial arts and all of that, because that's not something you hear every day. No, like I'm, I'm still the only Saskatchewan athlete to make it to the UFC win fights in the UFC. You know, I think I'm the only Saskatchewan fighter to ever fight, regardless of combat sport in MGM grand garden arena, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, like, like I've, I've done some really cool stuff. Um, but for me, like I started wrestling, uh, freestyle wrestling in high school. I came okay. from, you know, Walter Murray collegiate Institute. We had a really good, uh, really good wrestling coach, Gil West. And I think the big thing, what he did is he, he really imparted the wisdom. It was like, you're not going to be good at wrestling. You're not gonna be good at things in general right away. It's just going to be repeatedly just doing hard work and that way like excellence is just a habit and because if you do come in work hard do excellent work it's just it becomes an everyday thing and you know like um like that was a big thing for me and you know you couldn't with wrestling you couldn't blame anyone else you know i mean like I, i feel like in a lot of sports you can always blame someone else and you don't learn that accountability and in, mm-hmm. in wrestling or other individual sports, the only person who can you can accept who can accept blame is yourself, and um, it really makes you accept that accountability early and teaches hard work ethic. And, and you know that was a big thing. And for me, I, I actually wanted to get into pro wrestling at the end of my high school career. In quotes, I don't. It's not a career, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got told I was too small. I was wrestling. Anywhere between 66 kilos, 72 kilos, so like kind of like that in between range. I got told I was too small, so I'd like I kept training, kept lifting. Uh, went to the U of S, uh, wrestled as a club member, not as uh, like a U of S team member, uh, partly because it was cheaper and I had no money and I wasn't getting a scholarship because they had so many great athletes. Um, so it was. Uh, just one of those things where, you know, I continued wrestling and then, uh, the ultimate fighter came on. Like I'd, I'd watch the UFC. Like my favorite was, uh, the ultimate ultimate two, which is Don Fry wins it. Don Fry's the man. He's like my hero with mm-hmm. his mustache and his 
his uh, voice that sounds like he gargles like whiskey and buckshot. But uh, <laughs> he just he's the, he's the man. And I was like, oh, well, I wrestle. And you start watching a couple episodes and you're like, oh, these the wrestlers are doing good. I can do that. I can wrestle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went and signed up at a gym and uh, got the crap kicked out of me and signed up right away. Basically paid for a year membership right off the hop and with what money I had. And, you know, I had a couple of amateur fights that I didn't tell my family about for obvious reasons. Yeah. They're probably not super stoked. And MMA wasn't big at the time. So, um, yeah, I had some amateur fights and, you know, I it ran up a nine and zero record. I got a new manager and got signed to the UFC and I don't know, it's, this is weird, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I continue to fail upwards. It seems like, well, I, I mean, there was a period and I mean, it was, you know, I kind of got into watching, it was the Bonner Griffin ultimate fighter. Like I was always familiar with UFC, but it would be like, you'd hear about a big fight and be like, okay, kind of check it out. You know, like Shamrock Ortiz in like the early two thousands, I think it was. And then it's like, okay, ultimate fighter came along in the first season. And then it started almost like rejuvenated everything with the UFC and mixed martial arts. And it seemed like with Canada as a whole, you know, you had GSP, but then anytime a, a Canadian wrestler or athlete came up through it, you took notice because there wasn't a lot of them. And as soon as you hit the stage, it was like, okay, you know, another Canadian to kind of support and get behind. Yeah. You know, um, I got told this by a producer is they, they hated Canadians because we're, we're just so bland. Like we're just nice. And I'm mm-hmm. like, we're not we're polite there's a difference. Like we're just, we're just polite people. Like we have banners. So, yeah. but we're, we're just not, cause I, uh, I want, before I got signed, I wanted, I was willing, I didn't want to, I was willing to do the ultimate fighter. And they're like, yeah, you have all the skills, but you're just, um, fucking bland. <laughs> you know, <"Ooh>, thanks. <laughs> you just vanilla, uh, as a person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that was a big thing, but I was the same way, you know, you could always just really get behind because we didn't have any, but for some reason we always have really solid fighters, even yep. though like, you know, like Mark Bocek, he was the man, um, you know, you, you go through all the adrenaline guys, Sam Stout, Mark Hominick, all those dudes, somehow I sneak in there, um, you know, all the guys from Whamma, like it, it's, it's crazy. And then you, you have, you know, Sarah Kaufman coming in through Invicta and just in strike force and just killing it there. And it's just super weird because we have such a low population, mm-hmm. but we, we just, a lot of us are able to, to hit that second level and, and, and go to the, the biggest fight playground and, and a lot of time hold our own. Like we had, we had Carlos Newton and, and GSP hold belts, you know, um, GSP, obviously being the man but it's yeah it's just it's kind of cool and it's like you get behind those canadians regardless of where they're from they're from canada and that's all that matters a hundred percent because i remember uh watching the was it mark hominick jose aldo fight you know in toronto and everyone knew who aldo was because he i mean he was one of the greatest fighters of all time and then mark hominick steps in there and 
you could see everyone in that arena, like fully supporting him hundred percent behind him. And, and I think everyone at home watching is like, okay, this guy's got a chance here. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, and uh, maybe it's, maybe it kind of like ties into that. There's not a huge, like the pressure isn't always on us because, oh, they're just Canadians, you know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the pressure isn't as much on, on us, you know, like you see guys from Japan, USA, Brazil, well, those are all the guys that are mainly known as like the MMA places. So there's not as much pressure, but somehow, you know, we, we keep rising to the occasion and doing well. And, you know, we, we've, we've, we've had guys as part of the, the seven second knockout, um, on both ends, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it, you know, I mean, it's just somehow we keep killing it. And it, it's, it's just, it's interesting how, uh, MMA is evolving and like, uh, 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 Olivier Orban Mercier just won the PFL 170 title, you know, mm-hmm. and it, we're just, you know, you can't count us out, I guess. A hundred percent. And I think one thing with Canadians as a general is we really don't toot our own horns with accomplishments, you know, and even when somebody does recognize it, it's a, okay, thank you, you know, and that's about it, but you don't parade it around, nothing like that. And I, I wonder if that almost ties into like, you know, with the vanilla aspect or, you know, not getting the same sort of recognition as other places. No, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, like even this week I was, when I was filming an, an actor that's been in like really good movies, he's like, oh man, I like, I watched your fight with Ally Kinta and like, that's fucking awesome. And I'm like, thank you. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I, maybe part of it too, is I'm just like, so used to being shit on <laughs> like <laughs> online world that you're just like oh this is this is a nice change up but i'm not gonna like let it get to me i'm ready to be knocked down some pegs soon mm-hmm. how much does the like stuff you would read or hear from online affect you or did it affect uh, you oh yeah totally totally um when i signed sign up for my first uh ufc fight man there was so much hate and like and now looking back i wasn't prepared uh, mentally, I was in great shape. Like I was wrestling with guys who were like going to nationals and stuff like that. I was, you know, training hard. I was boxing with boxers. I was doing all this stuff. Um, but just mentally and emotionally, I don't think I was prepared. What, like how big it was, it was in their Canada center. Like it's a huge arena mm-hmm. and, um, like just the amount of mudslinging that occurred, um, well, it was just like, it did, it does get to you. And, like when later on in my career, anytime where I noticed there's any negativity, I would just like uh, mute or block them on social media because yeah. it was just like, get out of here. Um, but I, w- I think it was 25, I think, when I signed with, with the UFC. So like it was, like, you're younger and, you know, I've been fighting all across Canada and like, you know, you're going to the big show and you're not, I, w- I just, I wasn't prepared to, with the avalanche of, shittiness that people will sling at you for no reason mm-hmm. uh, like even from people i used to train with in saskatoon they were like shitting on me on twitter telling my opponent to break my face and shit like that inversely he started his own gym and i went to his gym and taught a seminar so i took his money and i beat his ass because uh, <laughs> i'm a i'm a petty small human 
And it took years of therapy for me to figure that out that I'm a petty little bitch. And um, so I held on to that forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I got that little bit of revenge. It did feel good, but uh, I'm not telling listeners to be petty, but I just, I know that about myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it was, it was pretty satisfying. Uh, it, like you see so much of that. And I mean, I look back at when, you know, say the world junior hockey team, you know, like if something happens and a guy misses a penalty shot or whatever, and the amount of people like grownups who will go on these teenager social medias and chirp them and like have these hateful comments. It's like, take a look in the mirror at what you're doing right now. Oh, totally. Um, like I actually, like I just had a, uh, a kid a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was talking shit about my last fight. And, and like, I'm, I'm going to be transparent. Alex, uh, Alex white is a, like a terrible person and fighter. Like he headbutted me on purpose. He stuck his thumbs in my eye during that fight. Uh, elbowed me in the back of the head. It's the most I've ever been fouled against in a fight. And I had Jared Bilal is a shit ref who like, he's probably been called on the most. Like he's the new, Steve Mazzagotti <laughs> era. Um, and it's like, it's whatever shit happens. And then I tried to fight him in the back <laughs> as we were trying to both getting loaded in the hospital, into ambulances. But uh, this, this, this kid is trying to talk shit. And it, it took me a moment. Cause like immediately you're like, you're mad. But then you realize that this is like a, a 14, 15 year old kid. Mm-hmm. You're like, Hey man, like I want you, I know I've taught you math. So here we're going to do a little math equation at the time. I was ranked about 25 in the world, in the world, in my weight class, there are 36,000 fighters at 155. I'm going to let you do that math. It's a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. So like, I'm not going to like, I'm like, you and I aren't really good right now, but the big thing is, is you have to realize just to get to that spot, you have to make so many sacrifices and I'm not going to let you bring me down. And you need to take a second and reflect on yourself. And I think that, that that's something that everyone needs to hear. It's really easy, like you said, to crap on kids that are play on, on Boxing Day and Christmas mm-hmm. for our entertainment, the World Juniors. And it's like, they're also kids. And some of them, yeah, they're getting mi- several million dollar contracts right away. But at the same time, like, what is best case scenario by saying these terrible things? to people makes you, you just like give yourself a little pat on the back. Like I'm fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like it was well, like, what's the best that, that can happen? Like really like, well, well, it's my opinion. And I've heard that too. I'm like, why would you say that? And they say, well, it's my opinion. I'm allowed to have, I'm like, yeah, you're allowed to have your shitty opinion. Mm-hmm. But this time is like, what do you get out of it? Yeah. And they never have a good answer. No, it's uh, it's a lot of just digging themselves into a deeper hole, and it nothing good comes out of it. And it's whether it's a, a kid or an adult, when you have something shitty to say, just keep it to yourself. It's that simple. Especially if it's uncalled for, like if you know someone, you know Joe one two three four five decides to tweet you, oh, uh, you're a bad fighter or whatever. Well, who gives a shit, Joe? You know, like tell your buddies when you're having a beer. Yeah, I I don't remember asking your opinion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and to be honest, I te- I, te- I teach as the kids is like, would you take advice from this person? No. Why are you going to let a them insult you and let it affect you? And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of an important thing. And then unfortunately, I didn't learn that until 
I'm kind of done with fighting and it, you know, it's, it's something that you wish I would, I wish I would have learned earlier, but, mm-hmm. but at the very least I can pass this on to other people. And it's kind of like good advice in general, just like, um, it's easy to say, yeah, water off a duck's back, blah, blah, blah. But like, if you're not going to take advice from someone, why are you going to let, uh, someone else's insecurities blow onto you? Did like, after your career wrapped up, did you have any regrets when it came to MMA? Um, for me, I, I probably like, I wish it wouldn't have ended that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I would have liked to go out on a win. Um, but wins and losses are outside of your realm of, of control. You know, I worked my butt off, um, trained with some of the best fighters in the world. I've, maybe like maybe go down the States a little bit earlier in my career. Cause it wasn't until I was kind of in the UFC that I started traveling a lot more to the States. I travel in Canada, but um, you know, I try not to, to live in that realm of, of things that I could have done. Cause it just like the world can be vexing as it is. So mm-hmm. I, like I did a lot of really cool stuff um, for a kid, you know, from, from Saskatoon with no expectations and um i think it's probably more important instead of thinking about regrets is think about um how grateful i need to be Mm -hmm. no and that's that's a very good way to look at it um i have one more about your mma career and only because you hear it's come so far and i mean from where it originally started you know it had its big boom period in the 2010s as someone who's, you know, competed in the UFC, who's done MMA for a big chunk of their lives, is there anything that you would like to see changed going forward? Oh, yeah. I'd like uh, the UFC to treat fighters with a little bit more respect, especially like when they change from from Zufa to WME and then to Endeavor and, and all that stuff. Like, we we did a fight summit and the guy from from Bud Light came in hammered at 10 a.m and told us like we'll get behind you but if you lose we see you get knocked out we'll drop you like that and like and yeah that's coming from like a drunk dude at 10 in the morning from a sponsor for the event but that's how i felt a lot near the end of the career from the company itself and it was just like they were just like death by a thousand cuts so to speak Mm -hmm. like hey we're cutting sponsors hey we're um you know, we're giving you healthcare. I'm like, I'm Canadian. So this means nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and it was just like little things. Oh, we lost all your paperwork they had on file. And you're in the States. Um, you got to get your own P1 visa. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like little things over and over and over again. And you just like, you feel really unimportant. And then you, we at the fighter or something, we brought up like, hey, can we get paid more? Cause like when I wake up in the morning, there's days where I am sore and I feel like garbage. And they're like, Hey, um, we're going to table that question right now, but we're bringing in Snoop Dogg for a concert. And you're like, like, what is this? 94. I don't care about Snoop Dogg. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah. and at the, I did go to the concert. All the Canadians are hanging out with each other. And he's like, I'm gonna play some new stuff. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I'm done here. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Fighters Union is sounds great. Um, I don't see that ever really directly happening. 
But what I would like to see is like the Muhammad Ali act for boxing. I'd like to see it expand into MMA and even for kickboxing. Because mm-hmm. you look at guys like John Wayne Parr who have hundreds of fights. And, you know, he's just plugging away hard. And you know he's not set up like you see some boxers. I see my buddies who, you know, have fought in main events and fought for world titles and they got nothing, you know, left. And it's it's heartbreaking. Not mm-hmm. everyone is like me where they they continue to expand their education, where they had like investments. Like some of these guys have no money, no backup. Their brain is uh, feta cheese. And, you know, like it's, it's heartbreaking because they're a shadow of their former self and um, they got nothing going from, they gave part of their soul to the world and got nothing for it. And it's just heartbreaking. So I'd like to see the Muhammad Ali act expand to, uh, um, to MMA and potentially even kickboxing. Mm-hmm. it's almost likened to like with the eighties and wrestling where you had those guys living that lifestyle and, you know, maybe they were partaking in stuff they shouldn't have. And they, they got to a point where they're not, you know, the money's not coming in. They didn't do any savings. And now it's, here's where you are. Yeah. Like I have a coach, he wrestled in all Japan. He wrestled in one of the WrestleManias. I'm not going to mention his name. Like, even though I know that he'll never listen to a podcast because he doesn't know how to work computer but uh like he told me he was making four grand a week in the 80s as a bouncer at a strip club and he's almost 60 like that shit is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. like like i I, I, like and there's no good answer it's like hey we just got garnished their, their money and like there's no good answer but like man like we have to set up people for success it's like these these um you see basketball players and they're coming out of like the projects and stuff like that and you see that they come from nothing and they finally have some money and they don't know how to like invest and all this other stuff and they're they're set up for failure when they're done like it's hard i attribute to like when i see wrestlers like freestyle wrestlers and they can eat a ton of food all the time because they're working out and they're burning thousands of calories a day and then they go back, like they're not wrestling anymore, and they but they continue the same diet, and they just meat bomb out, like they're set up for failure because they haven't like figured out how. Hey, hey, um, let's think long term because it's a lot of like, we're all such live in the now type people, unfortunately. And like, like, if I need to talk to someone, I got this thing that I'm holding right now that I can contact anyone. I have all the information in my hand right now, but I'm probably gonna look at cat memes, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's the, uh, I, I often find myself when I'm walking on the treadmill after I watch a match or something, it's like, oh, let's see what's going on, on TikTok right now. And, you know, that takes up another 20 minutes. So, oh. um, you had mentioned after your freestyle wrestling career at, that you had considered going into wrestling beforehand. Were you a fan of wrestling before, like all growing up? Loved, loved it. Uh, wasn't supposed to be watching it. Luckily my, uh, my room was in the basement and there was a, tv down there so i would secretly watch uh like nitro i was i was more of a a wcw guy Mm -hmm. Uh, when i was younger i'd watch the wwf on saturdays um love macho man randy savage love bret hart you know obviously as we're talking about earlier um like the whole canadians thing you gotta get behind canadians however you can 
Um, but yeah, loved it. And then like I was a huge NWA NWO guy. And uh like I, I tried to watch continue to watch WCW until that bitter end that they oh. <laughs> it was so hard to watch. It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, I, I loved wrestling. I was like, yeah, we, like that'd be super cool. And then you know, you have so many guys out there, so many people, I don't say guys, so many people out there that are like so just easily um dream smashers, you know what I mean? Like, oh you're too small. And uh and I had another famous trainer say that when I finished fighting. Cause like when I was done fighting, I was like I, I about 190, I had abs all all year round. And like, oh you're you're too small, you're too old. And then like I message uh one of my buddies and I, I email um the WWE and they tell me to go train with Phil LaFon and with uh massive damage in Edmonton and like like if he's good with it why are you such a prick and just guy like be mean and i've i've met people that he's pumped out that this guy pumped out and and they haven't they can't crowd work like me they can't wrestle like me they they uh they still do the carny clap to get people going like come yeah. on everyone and you're like man this is i'm glad i didn't pay you thousands of dollars to to train me to do nothing mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things where uh looking back probably was for the best but and uh, you know like and at the first time being told i was too small probably worked out for the best since i had a ufc career (laughs) and and it you know you hear something like that it gives you that much more incentive to be like i'm gonna prove you wrong whether it's ufc or wrestling yeah you know like um as i talked about earlier i'm a spiteful little bitch so like (laughs) throw them with with success that I am going to, I'll, I'll show you. And I, I don't do this with, when I coach, like I coach wrestling, coach jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. I'm not a yeller. I don't believe in it. I think, um, I think I had ODD as a kid. He's like, it would, someone tells me to do something I'm like, well, I'm going to go do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think it's like, as a coach, that's the laziest form of coaching, just in terms of being a yeller. Like you ain't got nothing, blah, blah. And then when they succeed, like, yeah, I meant to do that. And it's really, it's just like from inside that they're able to show that they are capable. You don't need that external source. And it's, it's, it's a confidence breaker in some athletes. If you have cerebral athletes that get in, so inside their own head, like that can be super damaging. Mm-hmm. And for me, Amy, like a spiteful grudge holding little man for years <laughs> from having that. <laughs> and, um, so for me, uh, uh, I try not to impart that trauma to the next generation when I'm coaching. But for me, it was like, I did a lot of stuff out of spite and I was successful spitefully. Mm-hmm. Well, after you, uh, the, the amount of spite and like, you know, grudge worthy stuff you were holding on to there is incredible. <laughs> um, As I said, fucking tiny. Like I'm just a little man on the inside. Just, all I need is a hug, but since I'm not getting hugs, I'm just going to be an angry little man and <laughs> vengeance through success. Um, before I ask about your training, you mentioned like a huge, you're a big, like more into nitro. And I vividly remember TSN always showing nitro on the Tuesdays after Monday, the Monday night raw and getting yeah. home from school and always watching it. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, or like, uh, or they played it like, 1 a.m. or some shit like yeah. that 
depending on which like because we had two tsns for some reason i think we had like a good cable package but anyway so you, i tape it so i can watch it as soon as i on a vhs so if there's people listening that are uh not dinosaurs like me um yeah we'd tape it on, off the tv and then i'd, I'd watch it as i get home i love i love the wcw and mm-hmm. i don't i don't know why because it really looking back like because I, I have a bunch of that i was watching on a drive and like this is like just continuing on it's like a maybe because it just feels like it's a continuation of that the the golden era so to speak like it mm-hmm. feels like they're just like extended as much as possible but you had so many gems in there like steiners and like all these things that that you did expect that would be so awesome i love i love wcw i miss it i, I don't want I, to come i went back and i rewatched the steiners and nasty boys from like an old halloween havoc and yeah. the crowd was on fire those two teams were incredible in that match and like sags had one of the steiners and like a boston crab and like blood is pouring down his face and i'm like this in the 90s is fantastic yeah probably because the steiners were trying to murder them <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's scary to watch because like I, I was, i'm training i train with uh harlan abbott in here and he's been doing a big all this stuff and he's like trying to like get the inner steiner out of me but it's kind of scary because like you watch the steiners and they 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 shoot like murder dudes basically like oh i'm just you're not supposed to go this way, but I'm going to just throw you because I'm just a strong human. And he loves the fact that like, I'm a lot stronger than I look. And for some reason I have this, like I did a suplex to him and he's about two thirty. I was on my knees. I suplexed him off my knees and then stood up with him. And he's just like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I guess like lifting humans when they don't want to be lifted, it just made me really strong. But yeah, signs are crazy. I love them. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't wrestled in Saskatchewan with like because I I do singlets now, um, and they're all sparkly and they're they're very Steiner esque in that you know or um, Braun Breaker kind of style where yeah. they're just they're bright, they're flamboyant. But you know, I'm confident in me. I love yeah. me some me. Sometimes yeah. you gotta look good. you mentioned like finding some gems and like a a few weeks back i was going like i download a whole bunch and then i'll just catalog it and throw it on a hard drive and i found it was um oh it was uh the filthy animals against vampiro and the great muda on a nitro and it was like a 10 minute match that's crazy to think that like those four in the ring together and i'm like this this is good stuff yeah yeah totally i agree with that so um so i'm guessing you must have trained at monster pro correct yeah that's where i got my uh yeah. that's where i got my start that's where i started breaking in you know i led to like i don't know like the the product has been all over the map lately mm-hmm. but it really hardened in the fact that you need to know basics that you need to be able to chain wrestle i was really blessed at the time when i was there where phil Afon was was there weekly so, and like he, dudes, uh, like, no, he trained guys at the all Japan dojo. So I guess he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. triple, triple J crown winner, tag team champ, you know, he wrestled in a WrestleMania. He's like, he's a good dude and he knows how to teach and he loves that martial arts aspect. I got extra attention because he, like, he loves fighting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's where I started. And, you know, it was, Gave me a lot to uh, 
build off of. Coming in with all of your previous experience, you know, your, your MMA background, your wrestling, I mean, you taking to the training must've been pretty easy then. Yeah. You know, um, being athletic does help a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, uh, selling it. So like, like fighting is you have to fighting is you get hurt and you have to pretend like you're not hurt and pro wrestling is you're not hurt and you have to pretend like you're hurt. Mm-hmm. So it's like that other switch in the brain, but like selling becomes so important. And like um, being able to connect with the crowd is is such an important thing. So those were the things that were a little bit hard. Doing moves is, is easy. You know, like I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, make a big noise and, and protect their neck. You know, mm-hmm. that <laughs> like, um, but for me, it was just all about, um, how do I connect with the crowd? How do I, like, I can do all these moves. I can chain them together. And it went really easy. Um, but that second aspect, and then also like I did a Tony Canelo tour in the, those death tours, uh, which is an accurate name for those, but, um, yeah, they, you learn how, if you need to do less, cause, um, the ring was broken. Oh, the shock didn't work in the middle. So you're like, I'm taking like two bumps, but we got to make them count. And before that, I got built up to it. So they're like, storytelling becomes super important in the match. And it's just like those types of things really helped uh, with my training and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah. Did, did you have any reservations whatsoever about pursuing a wrestling career after MMA? No, not really. Um, I When I was done, I was like, Cause like I was, I don't party. I don't do anything else. And I was just kind of like at that point where I was like, sorry, it's going to um, where I was just like, I'm going to do all the things that I couldn't do or that I wanted to do. You know, I started taking baking classes, which I, cause I'm super tough. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and like, I, I just started doing all these things where like, um, like just saying yes, you know what I mean? Like on, on me, I like, just say yes, do cool things. And, uh, yeah, it really worked out, you know, and like, I, I want to pro wrestle. So, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to go pro wrestle. I'm gonna learn how to pro wrestle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it worked out pretty good. Yeah. I mean, so far, everything's going so far. strong for you. It's, it's, it's incredible to watch. Yeah. You know, like even like I get to wrestle, uh, British Bulldogs kid right away. I, I wrestled Gringo Loco. Who's like, been killing it on the indies mm-hmm. and ECW and he's going to Japan and all these different things. And then, you know, like I got wrestle guys, uh, elemental from, from Mexico and, uh, Charlie Haas. And I won't get into that, but I got to wrestle Charlie Haas and <laughs> I was supposed to re- wrestle, uh, Davey Richards and then he just didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. I heard about that one. Oh, oh man. Like that was probably like the, the the guy Bobby Sharp stepped in on like an hour's notice, and mm-hmm. Bobby Sharp is like the most solid dude. I can not never say enough good thing. Like he's just good people, but um, he was like scared because I was so uh, amped up and pissed off. And as we talked about, I'm a spiteful human, mm-hmm. so I think he was like scared that I'd take it on him, and I never would. Um, I I never want to hurt someone, but it was just like, um. Just like I was super mad at just the lack of professionalism. I sold a bunch of tickets and um, it's it, like, I really thought we could have made some magic happen. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just like so disappointing for me. It, that's one thing that like I have no patience for when it comes, especially when it comes to wrestling is like when you, you know, you have someone who's supposed to be there, they no show it. And you have people who are paying their hard earned money to go watch you. And all of a sudden you decide, I'm not going to do it. It's, it's yeah, a mess off. Yeah. You know, and I, I've like, I've had to drop out of, of um, events and stuff like that. And that happens. I always try to give the promoters as much. It's never a day of thing. Cause that's like, just, I know a lot of people are just like, I'm just not going and they don't. And like, that's, that's, that's terrible. And I hate that. But I always try to give as much notice as I can. Um, and it like, like pro wrestling, it's a, it's a hobby. Like mm-hmm. unless you're in a big, big show, it's a hobby, but um, you still should be a good person. Yeah. I feel like, like that's a that's a big big thing. I'm just gonna hop in my car real quick if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, 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 actually, to be honest, um, I just got a message while we were chatting that my I got a new singlet done uh, for my match with with uh, with Harry Smith. So I, I got a special one made just before, like super Canada theme, all that stuff. So. I, I got told I gotta go pick it up. Um, she's gonna be gone by six. I'm like, you're the worst. But um, I do have Bluetooth. And See, because it's wrestling related, I'm gonna keep all of this in because now someone's gonna be like at the show and be like, I heard the story of when he went to pick up the singlet for this match. Oh, there we go. Oh, okay. It, it, this is like the most wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I lost it for a second because my Bluetooth had to kick in. Um, yeah, like this is the most wrestling thing ever. Is I'm leaving during my interview uh, and <laughs> to go pick up a uh, my singlet for a match against like a WWE veteran. It's just I am ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you've been going for five years and you've mentioned some of the names you faced off with, you know, Gringo Loco, um, going to be facing off with Harry Smith. I mean, a lot of people after five years, they don't even have a taste of, you know, wrestling, you know, some of the people that get brought in and here you are wrestling the top names on every show, it seems. I'm, I'm trying, um, like a big thing for, for me is, if you do consistent good matches, if you do consistent hard work, if you show that you're marketable, because like I don't, I really don't like selling tickets. Big thing we got paid in uh, in Monster Pro is you pay, you sold tickets, and that's how you got paid is you would get a certain amount of commission, mm-hmm. and that's fine, and like that's a good way to like make people hustle, and you teach how to like market yourself. But there's only so much that I can go and like ask my friends and family. And I don't have a ton of family. Actually, I've, I've one uncle that lives fairly close to me that's about it but overall like it's um you have to make yourself worth buying tickets and for me i have consistent good matches and when i work heel i always get booed and i always get heat and like when i go work calgary we we wrestled against um like their heel faction they're like well we gotta be careful we'll turn you face and they're like, yeah, good luck, buddy. And uh, they were cheering, like the crowd was cheering for them. And it was like Johnny Devine's little group. And we were there, like we were getting booze. I was getting like, uh, fuck you chants and stuff like that. And it's just like, 
consistently do what my job is, which is to connect with the crowd, have a good match, and get booed. And mm-hmm. um, and if I can consistently do that, I feel like I show that I am important to whatever organization that I'm wrestling for. And I like and I um, also like the fact that I'm an athlete. I'm gonna say this, and this might be somewhat controversial. There's there's like a lot of really good entertainers, great wrestlers that are uh, great pro wrestlers that are great with the crowd, but they're not athletes and they're not athletic. And I, like I don't want that to come off as I'm shitty because um, they're great wrestlers. And I'm gonna use CM Punk as a as a good example. He was at the top. He's not a good athlete. There's a reason why I was trying to fight him at, in the, when he came to the UFC. Even though he was up a weight class, I had no issue, and I thought I would have probably either knocked him out or submitted him. In the first you, round. you would have destroyed but, him. Um, yeah, and then, like that's the thing. And his coach was a jerk too. They're like, just be me, your boy. Like you don't have to be a jerk about who am I because like it doesn't matter. I'm the guy who's going to eat up your kid. But uh, he he's not an athlete. Like the other day, uh, well, it, it took me less than 10 minutes. I had, In the five years I've trained, I've never done a moonsault, ever, mm-hmm. ever. Never gone over backwards because it's scary. <laughs> but uh, I, and I started training at another academy, at Top Talent Academy. And he's like, I bet you we get you to do one. And I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, and within 10 minutes, I was doing moonsaults off middle rope top rope i can do a standing moonsault now and it's like he's like this isn't normal i'm like i don't i don't know what to tell you um i can also do a bottom rope moonsault but she said that he's never seen before <laughs> like um but like being an athlete helps like i'll jump up from the bottom to the top rope and i'll have my legs as like as wide as possible and do a backflip and you're not i guess that's not normal because mm-hmm. you're supposed to have your legs underneath and just like maybe you just have like some giant hamstrings and giant butt that probably helps a ton. <laughs> Along with some of the matches, I wanted to ask about this one because I know you've been a big part of love wrestling and what they've been doing. And uh your match with Travis Williams not too long ago. Yeah. Uh from all accounts, I- I've yet to be able to sit down to watch it yet, but from everything I've heard, it has been a fantastic match. Yeah, you know. I was really looking forward to that match. Um, Travis is, I think he's going to be like the next kind of like really big thing. Um, he, dude, really young. Um, he gets good heat when he's supposed to be healed. This is another one of those instances where the fans were cheering for him just because I'm such a dastardly heel. But um, he's, he's good and like he takes risks and he's all about um, – he gets that he can get that crowd whether it's positive or, or negative depending on what character he's like his face or heel and you know like and i i don't say it's enough he's a really good dude and i love that probably the most and mm-hmm. i'm willing to to take some bumps and eat eat some dives and do a tornado ddt on that concrete stage which hurts like a son of a bitch for someone who is a good person mm-hmm. and is going to take care of me. No, a hundred percent. It's uh, it's one of those things where like, you, you know, you can trust them. They're an all around good guy and it's, yeah, it makes things a lot easier. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Way easier. Yeah. And, and you know what I mean? And I, I feel like we, 
stylistically, we're very different. I'm more that kind of like that technical wrestler. I do flips, but I don't want to. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, <laughs> it's scary. But uh, and he he does everything, and he uses his body as a weapon. You know what I mean? And I think it made that's what made it a good match. And I think it was kind of like um, one of those dark core matches. I like. I think it was one of those matches that kind of like snuck in under the radar that of how good it was. And and that's what I always aim for is let's have a good match. Let's not um, be first match of the night and steal the show, which is always like I hate it when people do that. It's like you're on the you're like have a good opener, but if you're like second match and you're like doing top rope work and Rana the outside do a pile driver you're like man like know your place in the card we're uh near the end and we're like okay hey, let's 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 tear this down and we i think we did and it was i was partly because he's just he's such a good worker and i think he's going to be one of those guys uh, uh one of the next big things mm-hmm. uh you've carved out quite the niche out in western canada i mean has there been any thoughts of heading out east maybe go down to the states yeah, you know, I'd love that. Man, I'm, I'm always down to wrestle wherever. The big thing is, is um, like just trying to get some of that attention on me where I, um, where I can get brought out and that kind of thing. So, you know, and even for me, it just shows that I need to do more work in terms of I need to step up my game even more. So like even guys on the East Coast know me, that kind of thing. Um, the states it's always tough because of the border issues you're always i'm always scared of uh you know like getting turned around at the border or whatever because i don't have a my p1 visa expired um i think it's 2020 but it, it's just like you don't want to be one of those guys like hey well you're not allowed back in the states i'm like yeah but they have vanilla pepsi all year round <laughs> i need to go there uh, but i'd love to wrestle in the states i'd love like for me, like, yeah, everyone wants to go to the big, big show, but um, as, as I was told by a trainer, I was too old, fucking five years ago, so I don't see that happening, but, like, I'd love to go to Japan, like, I, that, when I was fighting, I wanted to fight in Pride and, and uh, all those shows instead, and, like, I, I'd love the opportunity to be able to wrestle in Japan eventually, but, you know, for me, I just gotta keep stepping up my game and 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 make myself undeniable mm-hmm. um i got a couple more for you and then i'll let you go you can finish picking up your <laughs> singlet <laughs> um i like to ask everyone for a match recommendation one that you think the listener should go check out one that you're a fan of uh not necessarily of yourself but just a match you enjoy uh i recently watched this one this is uh dean malenko ray mysterio i think halloween havoc and he's like, uh, Ray Myster- I think it's 96, maybe 97. I think it was 96, though. But, like, Ray Mysterio is, like, changing masks halfway through the match. And I think, like, Dean Malenko hits, like, a sweet uh, Dr. Bomb off the top. Like, just the, the transitions and the style matchup is really cool because you have that sweet Lucha transitions, which, like, I, I feel like they're uh, – their ground wrestling gets kind of overshadowed by all the flippy shit they do. Mm-hmm. And, but like the way they transition is just so beautiful at times combined with like the technical mastery of, of Dean Malenko, you know, um, coming from like his dad, I steal stuff from his dad uh, that I find online all the time. But um, 
yeah, I highly recommend that one. That that was one one that just kind of like immediately jumped in. It's really easy to be like Bulldog and Bret Hart SummerSlam, and you're like, oh, like yeah. it's like really it's a great match, but like it, it kind of gets overstated with WrestleMania three Macho Man Ricky Steamboat. But like let's 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 dig a little deeper. Let's find some cool stuff. Um, or for tags, like I'm a big fan of the North, but uh, can't have connection with. Doug Furness, Phil LaFon, I'm biased, obviously, but they, I watched a, a match uh, against the Hardy Boys and ECW, and that was pretty cool. And you watch Phil basically prevent, I think Jeff, from smashing his head on the concrete because, like, they missed a dive, and you watch him, he's just about to eat, like, over-rotate and eat total shit on the concrete, and you watch Phil, like, just subtly step his foot forward so that he doesn't crack his skull on the concrete because you know it's ECW so not a ton of safety precautions <laughs> I uh, I tweeted out a match of uh, LaFon and Furnace when they fought the Bulldogs in uh, All Japan and yeah that, I, yeah, uh, I love that match I think I retweeted that one to it, be honest yeah it uh, was they, late 80s and seeing the athleticism from both of them and just how hard they were hitting is such a good match yeah. Well, and I think that uh, people sleep on because Davey Boy was so jacked. I think mm-hmm. that was almost at his most, like, big. He was huge. But then you have him, like, cartwheeling out of monkey flaps and Phil doing all kinds of, like, uh, back handsprings and stuff like that. And you're like, this is this is crazy. And, like, they're not typically known as your, like, your um, those type of transitional wrestlers. But they just show the the how encompassing their whole game is. Plus, it's just it's a good match. Also, Doug Furness, I would like somehow like to figure out how he is able between him and Mister Perfect. They have the best drop kicks, I think, in my opinion, and, and, and maybe uh, Mark Jindrak too. They have the craziest and best drop kicks I've ever seen, where they can do a drop kick. They can land on their feet again. Like, it's nuts. The fact that you busted out Mark Jindrak, because I remember listening to him on a, a podcast, I think it was Talk and Shop, and uh, yeah. they brought up the, his dropkick and how beautiful it looks. And then he's like, don't say that, or else I'm going to have some little nerd on the internet being like, yeah, your dropkick's sweet, but it's not as good as jumping Jim Brunzel. Yeah, I'm that little nerd, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, like, like, he was able to do, like, drop kicks to dudes that were standing on the turnbuckle. Like, that shit's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, like, unfortunately, like, I really, like, WCW, I like him and Sean O'Hare. I think that the fact that they were big oh. dudes doing acrobatic shit, and, like, it, it just, it sucked that they really didn't get that push when they were kind of, like, uh, moving over. And they just didn't get that shine because both of them were so incredibly talented. Um, but like, and Mr. Perfect, he had a crazy, yeah, that was his finisher for a while, was a drop kick, just because it was so clean and crisp. Like, that's nuts. You did not see anyone like Jindrak and O'Hare in wrestling at that time who were that big but moved like cruiserweights. It was incredible 100%. to see. No, and then, like, they kind of get slept on, you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, these, these guys are hyper-athletic. Um, Sean O'Hare's a terrible fighter, but he was a great <laughs> great pro wrestler and it's, it's unfortunate that you know especially um 
kind of lost them too soon. And, mm-hmm. and, and both those athletes didn't, didn't get the shine that they, uh, I think that they really deserved. I know Jindrak did carve out like a, a bit of a career down in Mexico. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad for him for that, but he should have yeah. gotten so much more when it came to wrestling in uh, North America. I agree. I agree completely. Um, what do you have for upcoming shows? I know you have the top talent one, December 22nd. Yep. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, it's a five way scramble match. There's a lot of people I respect on there. So like, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Kind of like, uh, kind of showing a new version of me that's going to be, that we're de- kind of debuting. Got a whole new video and stuff set out for it. I will state this top talent um, has the craziest production value. Like I'll, I'll maybe I'll send you the video. If you don't get to watch it live, I'll send you the video that we got for my entrance video. It like makes me feel like I'm good. Um, <laughs> like I'm an actual professional. It's fucking crazy. Uh, I got that one January. Um, I'm going to try and wrestle each later. I'm going to just try and convince folks some promoters. Uh, he's coming up to RCW. Uh, I, I'm on the monthly love pro shows. I, I wrestle Harry Smith this weekend, which for me is just super cool. Minus the fact that he's six six, so I'm not looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and hopefully, like just dates haven't really worked out for PPW in, in Saskatoon. I really love Prairie Pro Wrestling; it's super fun. Um, hopefully, I'm I'm gonna be able to uh, make some stuff work there. Me and the Rads, like, I don't know, like, probably not everyone knows about the Rads, but... If they don't, we, they uh, should know. We have, I know they need to know about the Rads, because we're, we, like, I just won the Can-Am title, um, the Stu Hart Memorial Heavyweight title, and, yeah, it's just, like, with the Rads, where it's Rad versus wrestling, we'd love to bring Rads anywhere we go. It's super fun, and it's, like, a lot of people can tell that we're having fun when we're wrestling, because it's organic and it's real, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, well, you're, you both did baseball, so you're going to be baseball guys together. I'm like, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, those, those, this, they're, if it's not organic, it's never going to work. So the big thing for me is, like, we're all friends. Like, I literally had these idiots over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, we just, like, we wrestle together. We do these. We do Tales from the Undercard, so check those out. Rich King, Lumberjack Larry, uh, T.Y. Jackson, and Judge Ben Omen. Uh, we're all in there uh, acting like idiots. I think this season we're, we're trying to to like uh, do more 80s references in terms of like movies and stuff, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm aiming for Total Recall. Like I want to see if we can recreate the Quanto scene from Total Recall. <laughs> Of that but yeah that's the big thing is like we have fun with these videos the videos we do with almost no wrestling get more views than any of the like where we show most of our matches it's very maybe we're just bad wrestlers but we're idiots so we're entertaining so maybe that's just what it is <laughs> i was uh i know rich and ty were in winnipeg back this past summer and i got to call one of their matches and seeing those two in the ring and the amount of fun they have out there is something else it's great but not like if if you're like really sore and like beat up and you're like oh man I don't really have to wrestle because I can I can just work this idiot stick 
and it's like it's a good fall plan you know what i mean where where you're like in the background you're like oh yeah i don't have to speed up my body every match where i like you like there's some that co- we do comedy spots we get heat all the time so like it's, it's it's my favorite i love and we all have these like matching coats and stuff it's super fun and stupid <laughs> mitch for those listening if they're not following you on social media where can they find you uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, Mitch Clark MMA. Just throw like, throw a follow request. As a teacher, I don't like accept everyone right away because you have to make sure that you're, you know, you're not having your kids. Because uh, most of the stuff that I throw on there is just usually stupid memes or my corgis. Um, those are primarily what I, what I throw on there. But yeah, throw me a follow on those or Mitch Clark MMA on on uh, my Facebook fan page. Uh, I'm not on TikTok because I'm old. (laughs) And also I'm like, I'm easily distracted. So it's like not good. Like that's just a wormhole I get stuck in. And then Tales from the Undercard on YouTube. Mitch, thank you so much for doing this. I truly appreciate it. No, thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Mitch Clark for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Watch for him on that Top Talent Show December 22nd. That's going to be an absolute banger. Shoot him a follow on his social media. A great guy and an incredible conversation. I was very stoked about this one. Thank you to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. Uh, that's where I'm most active. Up on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Up on all podcast streaming platforms as well. And I've got t-shirts available, 25 bucks a piece. A perfect late Christmas gift, you know, hit me up. I will make sure I can get one to you. And you can treat yourself or a loved one to a very fashionable Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.